You're listening to the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 56, the trash-talking Beastie Boys Trekkie-bashing holiday special. This time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, Doug Palumbo and I talk about fanboys and Trekkies and why some of them really torque me off. Then we get into the best superhero movies, real estate, and our expectations of... Uh, what is it called? Is it Batman versus Superman versus Wonder Woman? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it is. Whatever the sequel to uh, The Man of Steel is being called these days. We end the show by talking about what makes for a really good superhero movie. So anyway, hey, as always, here are the announcements. You can reach us a day or a night via all of our social media pages that are linked on our homepage. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and even our own forum, The Electric Speakeasy. Tell us what you like about the show and share with us what topic you want us to tackle next. Feel free to submit subjects that you would like us to do for an upcoming show. And hey, even better yet, if you have something you want to talk about, you can be on the podcast. All you have to do is let us know about something interesting you want to talk about. If you have something to promote, like a product or a book or an event, just let us know and get on the show. We also have an array of uh, products on our Zazzle page, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Our biggest sellers right now is our flying Fedora Skull logo and our Fedora Chronicles radio show logo. People are buying those logos on coffee mugs, t-shirts, aprons, flasks, cell phones, and laptop covers, keychains. Um, you know what? We actually have um, uh, 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 hoodies for your little tiny dogs. Yeah, you can get those at Zazzle. Super cool, and each product supports the show while sharing it with a friend. You can support the show by another way, by clicking through our Amazon links. Products are delivered right to your door, while we get a little something in return with no added cost to you. Just click the Amazon link that can be found everywhere on the Fedora Chronicles webpage and forum. Hey, as you know, there are two of the best fedoras in the world out there right now. The one you're wearing and the next one you want to buy. Where you buy your next fedora can be found on our vendor page. Click the vendor page link on our website and you will find fedora vendors and hatters that have been pre-approved by you, our members. Nobody pays to be added on the list. The only way you can get on our vendors list is to be recommended by many of our users so you know all of these links are aces. So before Doug and I get into it, how about subscribing to this podcast via iTunes? And while you're there, write a review for us, about us, and what you like and don't like about the podcast. And if you give us a four or five star rating, review, we'll even read it on our next podcast. Okay, so enough of the commercials here. Doug and I are talking about fanboys, superhero movies, and etc., etc., so on and so forth. Enjoy the show. Um, a really honest, legitimate question. Why do I hate Trekkies so much? Right. Every time you say chaos on the bridge, I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I get confused and I think it's about like, you know, uh, something that happened on a bridge, like a, like a traffic bridge. Yep. And I keep forgetting that it's the bridge of a, um, fictional starship. Exactly. If you haven't, if you have not seen the documentary, I think that you really should. You should really see this documentary and um, especially Star Trek fans and really sort of get a grip on yourself. 
Is it on Netflix? It is. I'll watch it tonight. Absolutely. Um, but my question was this, that I've known you for a while now, and you are um, a, a very big fan of uh, Doctor Who. Um, that's not a question. It's a statement. Right. Um, and uh, the uh, the hyphen punk genre. Yeah. Whether that be diesel punk, steampunk, etc. Whatever. Right. And I'm sure of other, um, not necessarily always science fiction, but like me, you really like science fiction. And I would, I would call you, and you would probably call yourself a, uh, uh, whatever, um, what do Doctor Who fans call themselves? Whovians? I think they call themselves Whovians. I, I'm just a Doctor Who fan. I, I, I don't think that I can really get into any of those labels or what, or whatever. But, oh, but okay. You, it's safe to say you really like Doctor Who. I do. And you really like the uh, hyphen punk genre. Yeah, and, and I, I also like most um, most science fiction. as Right. And, and, I, and I, I can also like it on two levels. I like the craftsmanship that goes into most good science fiction movies. Like, I love the chit chat about the behind the scenes, the making of whatever. And I also, right. I also love it at face value, the, the, the story and the characters. And I can go back and forth between the story itself and the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can go, I can go back and forth. I can talk to you about Peter Capaldi as an actor. And then I can talk to you about the 12th doctor and I can do so in such a way that they're both, they can be, compartmentalized they can be exclusive i can talk about the 12th doctor and i can talk about peter capaldi and then i can talk about how peter capaldi plays the 12th doctor i don't know if that makes any sense or not it makes perfect sense into what i'm about to say in that you're 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 a greater than average doctor who fan yep um so i i've always wondered because you've always had this um uh i think it's safe to say a disdain for uh, Star Trek fans. Yes, and and I never, I never understood that because of how much of a fan you are of other science fiction uh, properties, and I, I didn't understand how you could be have such disdain for Star Trek fans when you are equally as passionate about, let's say, Doctor Who as a Star Trek fan might be about Star Trek. So we had this conversation, and um, and you explained to me that you're not – you don't hate Star Trek. No. Uh, you actually enjoy Star Trek uh, very much. Oh, yeah. But then go ahead and uh, you know tell us uh, what, what the rest of what you said was. Well, it, it really goes back to um, – let's see. It was after Thanksgiving 1990, and I'm at a convention. It was a – uh, New York City convention. It was the first one where William Shatner and Patrick Stewart were together on, on the same stage. And this is long before they did the movie Generations. Very, very flawed, screwed up movie. Um, and uh, on the on the on the uh, the vendors floor, there was um, NASA had its own like its own booth or its own table, a, a, a dealer's table. And there's a guy who was an astronaut, somebody who had actually been out into space, okay? And 
I'm the only one who's like flabbergasted, like, oh my god, it's a real astronaut. Like I was like starstruck mm-hmm. by the fact. And I was there and I was like talking to this guy for like 15 minutes. And it was like, and we we're surrounded by other people who are buying Star Trek knickknacks and pins and uniforms and and um, all sorts of Star Trek paraphernalia. So all these people are ignoring this astronaut for make-believe space fantasy stuff. And I think that that was like a huge wake-up call for me. Where it's, it's like... But how does that translate to your disdain for Star Trek fans? Well, I think that, that that for me was like, that was the beginning of the end. And then I think that like the 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 uh, the second blow was this little woman called Barbara Adams who showed up to the infamous Whitewater hearings wearing a Star Trek outfit, mm-hmm. and she was like telling the press that you know she's she's a real starship captain in the spaceship in her imagination or whatever, and it was like. Well, that's her uniform, and she's required to wear her uniform out in public and whatever. And it was but like, is that? But I'm sorry, is that? Uh, uh, the way all Star Trek fans are, or just her because she might be a little unstable. I I, I put um, I put these people or. Uh, our people or whatever into two categories. There are Star Trek, there are Star Trek fans. And then there are Trekkies. The Star Trek fans are the people who like you, you, you can watch an episode of Star Trek and then say, gee, you know what? I think that that would be really awesome. I'm going to go and get an education in engineering or science. And then I'm going to get a job at J JPL. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make that, I'm going to make that real. Cause I love space and I love astronomy and I love the concept of seeing what's beyond um, our everyday experiences here on Earth. What what does it look like on Mars? What is what do the moons of Jupiter look like? It's that it's that kind of Star Trek fan that I appreciate. I love those kind of fans. I love the kind of fans who are involved in like reality, the here and now. Mm. Okay, the Trekkies, on the other hand, are the people who. To coin a phrase from William Shatner, they don't have a life. It's like they they live vicariously through this, and um, and and they they just they can't they just can't function because they they just can't they can't go to. Oops, sorry about that. You're trying to, you're trying to play that clip, aren't you? No, no, no. It was something. My phone just went off on its own. Sorry. I love it when it does that. I was able to catch it. I apologize. Go no, it's ahead. okay. Um, it's it's the it's the Trekkies who they you can't tell them that Star Trek is fantasy. You can't explain to them that there's this American Canadian or Canadian American actor named William Shatner who was picked to play this part on this TV show, and it's a TV show. And it's it was made out in Hollywood in the, the mid '60s, and that there's a guy Leonard Nimoy, and he played the role of Spock. It's all science fiction. But do you think that that's? I mean, I know what I think, but do you think that's the norm, 
or do you think that is by far the extreme end of the fandom? I think that's 50-50. Really? I, 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 I think that there are... I mean, I'll be generous. I'll say, I'll say that that's 25% of the rabid Trekkie fanboy. It's, it's sort of like this. Um, uh, I have a relative who um, pick a sport, any sport. I, I don't want him to think that I'm picking on him. So I, I, like, if it's football. And he's a huge fan of a specific team. And, right. and there was a time everything revolved around his team. And there are people who have to work in whatever it is that they're about, whether it's Star Trek or you're a Jehovah Witness or you're a rabid fan of the New England Patriots. And everything revolves, and you always have to get in a reference to, like, what's your thing? And It's like, imagine if uh, every conversation I have with someone, I always bring up... Um, I always reference Humphrey Bogart's little known movie Dead Reckoning. Mm -hmm. And it's like and I, and it's like and I and I quote and I'm always quoting this one movie in particular. It gets tiring after a while. Sure. And it was just like, ah, oh, geez, you know, I'd really like to be able to go to my sister's wedding, but you know what? Um TMC is playing Dead Reckoning on tonight, so I, I can't go. But isn't that something that I I understand what you're saying. That you know, and that certainly does happen to, you know, I've been to conventions and I've seen it and I, I know people that are that rabid. But don't we all do that to some degree because we want to share what we love with other people um, that, that we try to bring what interests us into our, you know, daily, you know, dealings with other people. Maybe not to the degree to which you're saying, but we, we certainly like to interject ourselves and our interests and, you know, share that with other people. Yeah, but to do it every five minutes, sure, that's, that's excessive. It, it's it's just a matter of degree. It's it's a matter of degree. The people who I really admire are the people who um, really love their fandom, whatever it is. We'll take hey, we'll take our buddy Steve Delk. Steve Delk is a huge Indiana Jones fan, and he parlayed his love of Indiana Jones into making fedoras which I'm wearing right now or I was wearing earlier today. Um, which parlayed into him making the thing that he yeah. loved and, yeah. and making it for the character that he loved for the movie Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Absolutely, and there's a group of people who make replicas of R2 units or astromech droids, not just right. R2 units, but any, any kind of astromech droid you can think of. Some of those peop people have were able to get their droids into um, the Force Awakens, from what I understand. Oh, that's um, cool. I didn't know that. It's the fans who um, they 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 just they can't do anything or they won't do anything because they're caught in this in this little mind cage. Whereas it's like if they do anything that's that's not supportive of the fandom. And if, if it's their own thing, then they, it's like they can't do it. And, it. and it's also these people who, who have these, this reverence for Gene Roddenberry. Right. It's these people who seem to think that Gene Roddenberry is, is, is the Messiah. Not just a Messiah, but the Messiah. 
Gene, Rod- I, yeah. Gene Roddenberry is a guy who descended down from heaven on the back of the great bird of the galaxy. Or he's a man from the future and is telling us about wh- where he came from through this television show. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure there are people like that. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I will say that, um, not to be um, uh, combative, yep. but that, that 25% number that you gave earlier I think is a little high. Okay. And that, that the, the, the person you're describing that feels this way about Star Trek – I don't think it's exclusive to Star Trek. Oh, no, no. But the thing is, is that uh, I sort of use Trekkie as a pejorative um, catch-all. Okay. It's any, sort of, it's any fan whatsoever who surrenders his life towards this, this passive thing. Star Trek is passive. Mm-hmm. Football, unless you actually play football, is passive. It, um... Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and yes, even Indiana Jones, and uh, that's 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 passive. Well, th- by by nature, it's passive. It's you know, um, movies. You're, right. you're sitting there watching. Well, it's passive to most degrees. I mean, not you know, you can be involved in a movie, and you can um, certainly reading a book. You're certainly more engaged. Uh, physically because you're holding the book and reading it or and mentally because you have to you know make sense of the words but um you know life in itself is a uh passive um anything that 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 you do in life that is of um usually of entertainment is usually passive you know unless you're actually physically doing it like you said like actually playing football right um so you know, there's that's not necessarily a bad thing that it's passive because we kind of need that in our lives. But when you exclude the rest of life just to um, experience whatever this is that you love so much more, then that's when it becomes a problem. I think it it's a problem when somebody is a a a 45 year old married woman who has never held a job for more than six weeks it doesn't have a career doesn't have really a life whatsoever and she stays at home all day writing fan fiction star trek fan fiction or any kind of fan fiction that's a problem it's somebody who's never published any of their work or never tried to publish any of their work and it's just they're they're just doing this mental masturbation because they have to keep this they have to keep this internal flame burning for Gene Roddenberry because he's the Messiah or the Savior. I, that's a that's a freaking problem. And but the thing is, is that and it's also a problem because a lot of people that do fan fiction or now with the you know prevalence of YouTube and everything, these um, fan movies and such, they can't really do anything with it because they don't own the property. You know, and they don't think about the fact that they don't own that. And if they go ahead and they publish whatever it is that they produce, fan fiction, uh, a, a fan movie, a fan film, whatever it is, um, they could get sued. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. they don't own that. And they people forget because they are such um, uh, passionate uh, fans of that property, whatever that is, that, you know, that they don't own it. 
but a lot of people feel like they do own it because of um, how passionate they are. And uh, I've read many tales where people get in trouble because of, you know, oh, I, I love it so much. I'm going to put out this story or this, you know, fan film or whatever and get in, you know, get, get that uh, dreaded cease and desist letter from the studio. Yeah. And those letters suck. I, I'll, mm-hmm. and I, I'll tell you, um, you have these people who are making these fan films and they sink tens of thousands of dollars into rebuilding the sets and recrafting the props and the costumes and all the special effects and whatnot. And they pour all of this time and money into something that they're never going to get a return on their investment. But the thing is, is that if you just took a little effort and, and, you, and, you, and you tried real hard, it's like you're, you're thinking really hard, what would a real spaceship or a real starship look like 300 or 400 years from now what would real uniforms look like or whatever and you came up with something all your own and you made up your own background and your own story and you didn't use the star trek shorthand and then you created this great piece of movie or a great piece of cinema and then put it out into the ether you could be the next george lucas who would have thought where would george lucas be today if uh, instead of making Star Wars, he made a Star Trek fan film. Yeah, you're right. Think about take it. Take that. Take that effort and energy that you're putting into uh, whatever it is you're doing, and and use that 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 passion for that that property, and then make your own. Use that to fuel your own idea. Why can't you come up with your own franchise? Seriously. I'd like to speak to some of the people who are probably listening to this right now. Why can't you make up your own thing? I don't think it's and I don't think it's a difficult question. And this is one of the reasons why I, I've I've sort of um, gotten more into diesel punk these past couple of years is because the thing is is that what if the 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 styles and the form and function of the '40s never died? Mm-hmm. You know how would how would how would life look today if there was a natural progression after world war ii or what if what if there was like what if world war ii involved robots or something like that see that that's that's something that anybody can get into because now you're taking a what if situation and you can put your own spin on it and nobody owns that nobody owns um the trademark for diesel punk or steampunk but i'm 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 sure that there are also people within the diesel punk steampunk communities that that are rather um, um, aggressive about you know their interests and you know say that no 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 you 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 know, or that they would might look down on a newcomer oh you can't do that that's not really steampunk you know what I mean oh no they're oh those those are uh, those are the trekkies as it were of steampunk like that you know it it, it can only be this way you know as opposed to open and free for everybody the way it kind of should be exactly it's like diesel punk is like sort of like an is like an open source version of 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 star star wars and world war ii cobbled together it's sort of like it's the idea of um it's like if you had to do um a version of halo at the battle of the bulge what would it look like see that's exciting that's something that you can you can 
get me high. Whereas it's like if you do all these like what if science fiction scenarios, now, what would it what would a trip to Mars look like? In, in in 1947, what would that look like? See, you, you could do that. That's exciting. And sure. and nobody's saying you can or can't do that un, unless they are um, the rabid fanboys who ha, are trying to turn their their thing into into a religion. And I think that's another thing that really sort of sets me off is that. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm starting to choke here. <clears throat> It's the it's a wrath of Gene Roddenberry coming down on me with uh, with some smite. Roddenberry's revenge. Yeah, the wrath of Roddenberry. I'm being smoted. Um, in the '70s, Gene Roddenberry looked at what was going on with Scientology, and he's like, and he was like, "Oh, geez, man, if I was only as as smart as L. Ron Hubbard, I could have capitalized this whole Star Trek thing into." Uh, uh, you know, into a religion like Scientology, if I was only smart enough. And in this documentary, Chaos on the Bridge, um, they actually talk about this. Where do they get that information from? That that's an act. You know that that, that that's truly what happened. Well, Gene Broadberry actually said to some of his some of his people at the Paramount um, Studios, "Oh, you know, the thing is, I if I was smart enough." And he actually said this to a couple of people. Oh, okay. So it's not just hearsay. He well, said it yeah. I mean, with his own mouth. I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, according to this documentary. And I think that that's a problem that I have because of the environment that I was raised in. My grandmother is or was a Jehovah Witness. And there was a couple of things about you can and can't do. And there are things that you can and can't talk about. And your grandmother is never going to give you any birthday cards or birthday presents. She's not going to celebrate any holidays like that. Well, because she's a Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness. And to tell your to tell your daughter and your son-in-law, don't take your baby to the hospital um, because he's getting sick. Just pray for him really super hard, and she'll be anointed by the blood of Jesus, and he'll stop being sick, and he won't die. Well, no. I was a half an hour away from dying when my mother and father finally took me to the hospital, and I think that they were almost charged with neglect and abuse. Because I was sick and we were living at my grandmother's house and, and she said, no, no, you need to pray for him. Anointing, anointing, blah, 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 blah. I think that that's kind of like a dangerous thing. If I cut my hand open while carving a pumpkin a couple of nights before Halloween and I cut it right to the bone, prayers are not going to close that wound, people. Prayers are not going to do jack squat. You need to get yourself to a hospital or you need to stitch it up yourself. Well, there's that old joke about the guy drowning. And, uh, you know, he gets, uh, you know, somebody comes along in a fishing boat, you know, a cruise ship comes along, a helicopter comes along, drops a ladder, and he keeps saying, no, 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 I don't want your help. God's going to save me. And he gets to heaven, and he's like, what happened? I, I, I thought you were going to save me. I, I, I prayed and prayed. And he goes, what do you want? I send a fishing boat, a cruise ship, and a helicopter. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a short version of the joke, but it's kind of like that. It's like, you know. You know, if you're a believer, then, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Exactly. And, uh, but, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily only religion, but it, it, no, it oh, goes no. back to what we were talking about with, you know, being um, uh, an uber fan of, of uh, any, uh, you know, fictional property that if you allow it to, you know, consume your life, you know, to the point uh, of, what most would consider ridiculousness, then, you know, you have no life. 
you know, when this thing becomes your life, that means you have no life. And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, it's unhealthy. Just like, um, like you were saying about letting, you know, religion take the place of common sense, uh, letting any of your, um, interests or fandom take the place of common sense can, uh, you know, it doesn't enhance your life, it ruins your life. I, and I think that that is really super dangerous. And I think that it was just like, any time you try and take something that's created by man or created by this flawed human being, not because he's trying to change the world or better the world, but because he wants to line his, he wants to line his pockets with greenbacks. He wants to fatten up his bank account and he wants to enhance his, his legacy. I don't, you know, um, I don't want to create a religion out of the Fedora Chronicles. I don't want there to be um, monks wearing fedoras, hiding out in the high hills of the Himalayas, talking about the grand teachings of the Render King, and talking about how we need to better live our lives through um, um, black coffee and, uh, and anchovies. I don't want that. Although I will say that... Uh... If they said that about me, I have to really consider. If there's money in it, I have to really consider it. Allowing them to, you know, espouse me as their, uh, as their savior, I might be okay with that. If there's a lot of money involved. Hey, listen. If it, if it will impress my wife, I might consider it too, because I really like that. I re- I mean, it's not about the money. It's about impressing my wife. I like seeing a smile on my wife's face. I would love to see the smile on my wife's face and say, see, see that that's the Messiah and he's my husband. Yeah. Now take out the trash Messiah. (laughs) (laughs) Hubbers, isn't it time for a dump run? (laughs) Hey Messiah, go to the dump. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's the problem that I really have. And I, um, and it, it, and the thing is, it's like, but it's like I said, it's but it's not just Trekkies. I don't think that there's anybody that I know. Trekkies are the most sorry. Trekkies are the the e- I don't want to say it like this, but they're the easiest target because they're the most um, prevalent in the average person's mind. At, when you think of a like an, an an Uber fan of something, you you know Trekkies are are what usually come to the forefront yeah, of people's minds. Exactly. I mean, it's like it's like anything. Whereas it's like you let it stand in the way between having a, a, a having a, a great, incredible life. Chances are, if you're listening to the Fedora Chronicles radio show, you are probably you are probably a hip and with it dude. I, I can or dudette. And all of our friends, all of my friends, and all of your friends, and all of Jason's friends, all the friends that I have on Facebook, um, whether it's myself or it's the Fedora Chronicles account, almost everybody wears a fedora, and. On a regular basis, one guy, um, Frank, I think his name is, is that he wears a gray fedora. He looks pretty sharp, but he's also living a full life. You can wear a Star Trek pin on your leather jacket and you can live a full life. You can be into cosplay and you can have a full life. You so long as it's your hobby and your interest and not your life, that's that's when it's healthy. Whenever whatever it is becomes your life, then you usually have a problem. If you're 45 years old and you've never kissed a girl because you can't find a woman who's into Star Trek as much as you are, that's a problem. I think that that's a problem, or whatever it is. And I, like I said, and like you said, look, I, we pick on Trekkies because they're easy targets. 
It's it, it, because they put themselves out there. It's almost like George McFly putting a kick me sign on the back of his rump. So do you think that we should move on and talk about other aspects of fandom that's going on in the world today? Like, uh, oh, I, I don't know, the, the Justice League trailer? Um, we'll talk. Yeah, the Batman v Superman trailer, I have to say. Uh, I watched it today, and uh, I'm a Marvel guy. And uh, I've always liked um, Spider-Man the best. And my favorite DC character is, uh, well... They call him Shazam now, but he's really Captain Marvel. Um, he's he's my by far my favorite DC character, over Batman, Superman, and everybody else on the DC side. Um, so I'm not much of a DC fan, but I saw that trailer and I'm like, you know, uh, it looks pretty good. There was far more humor in it than I expected. Um, it was sharp. It seemed sharp and witty, and um, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, you can pick it apart just like anything else. But if you just look at it, what it's intended to be, just a fun superhero movie with a, you know, a grittier edge than the Marvel movies, then uh, I think they were successful with the trailer. I mean, um, it showed a lot more than I expected them to show. That's for sure. Yeah. I think, um, you I, know, so if, if you haven't seen it, go see it because there's going to be spoilers. But um, so there's your spoiler warning. I'm going to. But, I'm actually going to embed it into this podcast's individual index page. So there you right. go. And it's. Um, I mean, they showed Doomsday, and which I had heard rumors of, but I didn't think that they would show that at all. And that Zod um, becomes Zoom, Doomsday, and uh, or they extra, know, or they do something with his DNA or something. Right. Something. Well, his his you know genetic profile is somehow responsible for Doomsday and. Um, Wonder Woman and you know they still didn't really show much of Wonder Woman but they, they showed her and I didn't like that actress um, Gal Gadot at first I thought she was too um, I, I still think she's a little too small framed of a person um, but that part of the trailer she looked great I mean like yeah. she looked like Wonder Woman and um, you know I still think they could have gotten somebody a little taller but you know once you see it in action, it kind of makes more sense. And, uh, you know, her costume looked good. And uh, you know, there is still no uh, sign of um, I'm not, uh, of uh, Robin. I've heard rumors that there might be Robin in the story uh, played by a woman. Uh, and that would like, be cool. That would be cool. Just like in Dark Knight Returns, the, the graphic novel by Frank Miller, Robin was a girl. Yeah. And um, Carrie Kelly. And... Um, so, but other, I thought it was good. I'm not so sure about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. This is as much as we've seen of him in this recent trailer. And, uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of his. Not that I'm not a fan, just I really haven't seen much of his work. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it could be one of those things where, uh, you know, it seems over the top and silly, but it, it could be. You know, uh, the, the, the the context could be lost in the trailer and you have to kind of see the full film. So I'm reserving my, you know, real judgment till I see the movie. But um, I thought it was a very successful trailer. I, I forgot that he, I, I forgot that that's Ben Affleck. Uh, there's just something about something that he's done, whether it's been all the working out that he's been doing or there's something he got jacked for that movie. Yeah. 
Um, I think that um, he is he is going to be the best Batman on the screen since Christian Bale. Uh, we'll see. I'm not a big fan of Christian Bale's Batman, but um, maybe I'm in the minority. I mean, I think he did a good job. Yep. Um, especially in Batman Begins. Um, but I wasn't a um, I, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, uh, I I think the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger is a good movie. Yep. Um, just like Citizen Kane um, is always espoused as the greatest movie of all time, they say that uh, some people say that The Dark Knight is the greatest uh, superhero movie of all time. I'm not one of those people. No, neither am I. And I think you and I need to have that conversation again for the listeners. Um, just for a, 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 a brief, um, I think Heath Ledger did a great job just to sidetrack a little bit. Um, he brought something to the Joker that we've never seen before, but um, I think um, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent did a uh, a a uh, more superior job acting his role than Heath Ledger did acting his. Um, it's kind of like Batman, where once you put on the costume, um, most of the work is done. I mean, you know, you I can only assume that once you put that costume on, you know, as uncomfortable as it may be. You feel like Batman because you are, you know, the 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 ninety percent of the character is the look, and same with the Joker. It's like you know, once you put the makeup on, and you know, the Joker's supposed to be crazy, and so acting crazy kind of comes with it. That's what you expect, right? Um, Aaron Eckhart had to be both Harvey Dent and Two Face at the same time, which I would think is exceptionally difficult, and I think he pulled it off flawlessly. Um, so as a as an actor, I think he did a better job um, because the choices he made to play Two-Face um, were, uh, I think, superb. And he just really uh, knocked it out of the park and, you know, gave us something really to um, to uh, experience. Whereas I mean, Heath Ledger did a great job as well, but, you know, the Joker is supposed to be that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why I've always said also that um, Batman... It is a much easier part to play than Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's the hard part to play. Yeah, and I think that Ben Affleck... Yes, but I think that the thing about Ben Affleck is that looking at him and how jacked he is for this movie and, uh, and the, his facial expression, that's a pissed-off guy. Yeah, he looks angry. They, they got it. They nailed it. They yeah. nailed it with the casting and the fact that he's committed to the role to the extent that he is. I, th I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, a lot of people gave, you know, gave uh, Ben Affleck a lot of crap. Ooh, why is he Batman? You know, he's, you know, whatever. He's not a whatever. really, yeah. why is he Batman? And uh, I don't know. I think he's got the look. And then seeing him in this trailer where you actually get to see him as Bruce Wayne and speak a little. Uh, hey, they got my money. You know what I mean? I'll go see it. Yeah, take my money. Yeah. Take my money, fool. I pity the fool who doesn't take my money. Um, so, but you had said something today, earlier today, that I thought was, th that I thought was brilliant. Naturally. <laughs> More brilliant than normal. What do you want me to do first? Do you want me to revisit what you said earlier today, or do we want to talk about the best superhero movie ever made? I don't remember what we have to revisit, so why don't we go with that? You said that there's something about every superhero movie that pisses you off. I did? Yes, you did. 
about, I don't remember. It's about the plot of every movie. Oh. Every, every superhero movie. Yeah, so I don't know if it's every superhero movie, but it seems to be at the heart of at least 50%, if not, I'll be generous on, on the low side and say 50%, that it's always about real estate. You know, even like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Batman Begins, you know, it's about uh, the League of Shadows uh, wanting to cleanse Gotham. But really, it's about real estate. They want to take control, you know, burn down Gotham and take control of of the city. That's real estate. Superman the movie, Lex Luthor sinking California into the ocean, real estate scheme. Uh, Superman Returns, uh, Lex Luthor, real estate scheme. Uh, I'm not saying every movie, but certainly a lot of superhero movies seem to revolve around the bad guy and a real estate scheme. Yeah. That bothers me. Why can't they think of something else? I don't understand why you just... How hard can it be? And the thing is, is that it was like the super, every supervillain, even to the extent of Age of Ultron. It's a real estate scheme. It's a real estate scheme. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to cleanse the earth so he can start over again. Yeah. Claim the earth as, a, as his own real estate scheme. Real estate scheme. Granted, it's on a large scale, but it's still a real estate scheme. Or on top of, or if it's not that, like um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. That's a jewel heist film. Yeah. Really? But, yeah, if you stop and think about it. But it's a little more, you know, a little more original than, you know, the 15 movies that came before it that are all about real estate. Yeah. You know? But, but uh, what were... Uh, what was the other thing you wanted to mention? Well, what, you know, the thing is, what is the best superhero movie ever made so far? In my opinion? In your opinion. Even though I just mentioned it uh, because of the real estate scheme, but Superman the movie but is the... my personal favorite superhero movie of all time. Be, well, the thing is, is that... And I'm not even a big fan of Superman. Superman the movie with the first one with Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. okay? Um... That gets a pass because it's because it, the thing is is that it it hangs the chandelier. It because ye, yes, it's a real estate scheme, and Lex Luthor comes right out and says, "Real estate," and he comes out and he owns it. That is that is funny. It was also the first movie to ever really come out and say, "That's what it is. It is what it is, and what it is is what it is." Right, and it's it's the first superhero movie to take itself, not necessarily seriously, but to treat the the source material with respect, and um, and you know, a lot of what when people say you know what's your favorite blank, um, it has less to do with you know what really is the better one in terms of the way it's constructed. If we're talking about movies, the acting and you know, the the sound design and all that it has less to do with that and it has a lot more to do with our our um our emotions when we saw it and, and the nostalgia we feel. And that's certainly the way it is for me in Superman. I mean, it was what is that, seventy eight? Yeah, I think I so. Was, I was I was five years old when it came out. Uh, I didn't see it originally, but I was still quite young when I saw it. And that made an impact. And again, even Superman not being my favorite character, um 
you know, it's it, it it'll always hold a special place. And uh, it's just when you see Christopher Reeve, even though, you know, the the flat colored spandex is kind of uh, uh, not the way that they do the costumes now. I mean, he is Superman. He yeah. is just as much Superman as Henry Cavill or uh, Brandon Routh or anybody else that has come across um, as the Man of Steel. And uh, I mean, when when people say Superman, I, I would say anybody over the age of 30, uh, when you say Superman, you, in your head, you see Christopher Reeve. Exactly. And, um, you know, that says a lot. Um, so, yeah, for me, Superman the movie is the uh, for for pure nostalgia reasons is uh, the my 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 default favorite superhero movie of all time. Now, if I had to pick a favorite superhero movie uh, that wasn't Superman the movie, um, golly, um, I really like, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think a, a, a movie that quite often gets forgotten about is uh, Blade. I think that's a great movie. Um, and, you know, Blade's a Marvel character. He fought alongside Spider-Man in the comics and many other heroes, and um, I hope that he makes a comeback in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is now, at, with Wesley Snipes. But I think the the Blade, the first Blade movie, was um, another groundbreaking uh, attempt at taking what seems like a silly idea of a vampire that can walk in the daytime and a, and take it seriously and a make a, a a great action movie that's you know kind of true to the roots of the character with you know you know you can't have a vampire movie and not have a little gore and um you know it was great and i think that's a forgotten about it's a forgotten about movie that you know needs to be included um here's what i'm going to say about superman you cannot have superman the movie and not have superman 2 it's like superman 2 is the empire strikes back of of all superhero movies it's 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 a movie that you could probably honestly say and 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 really and, and really mean it the sequel is as good or even better than the original i like superman 2 a lot i think if i had to choose to watch one or the other uh i don't know i'd probably watch superman the movie simply because it's it's more um I don't know if this is this might sound silly, but it's more innocent and pure. And uh, I tell you, every time when you know Lois Lane's fallen from the building in the helicopter, and you see um, Clark run up to the half phone booth, <laughs> yeah, and then it gives me a laugh every time. And then he's running across the street, and he rips his shirt open with the John Williams theme uh, tacked in, and then he runs through the uh, revolving door. And then you got the, the the pimp with his uh, ladies yeah. sitting on the car, and he goes, "Hey, Jim, that's a bad outfit." Hey, Jim! Whoa! Excuse me. That's a bad outfit. Whoa! <laughs> and it's just like that whole sequence gives me—I'm sorry to say—gives me a thrill every time. Yeah. And it makes me it it reminds me of who you know seven-year-old Doug was. You know, I mean, it it's fascinating, and it's that Superman. And probably that scene alone is what 
makes me remember it for me as the my favorite superhero movie. But uh, it's just, yeah. I will say, um, I'm not even going to make a joke about Superman Returns. I'm not even. I'm not even going to go there. Well, because you have such a visceral, for you, um, for you, it's it's like the it's like Howard the Duck for me. You know, I watched Howard the Duck. It was on not too long ago, and I, I watched some of it, and it's 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 pretty bad. But I, I don't have a hatred of the movie, and um, it's Superman Returns is one of those movies where they just uh, they didn't have to make a great movie; they just had to make a decent movie because it it it's set up for them and they just blew it on uh, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like it and a lot of the reasons are inappropriate I think to talk about um on this show yeah. simply because of the the it's just the choices that Brian Singer made um in his uh portrayal of um you know Superman you know in his direction of Superman I should say um, you know, but, you know, uh, I think... it's just they just missed it on so many levels and uh, that I know that's oversimplifying it, but it'll be a 40 minute dissertation on why I hate Superman. No, I have, a, if, mu- I, I have if, a much if I better idea. Myself off. I have a much better idea. Um, we should do a audio commentary for Superman Returns. Like watch the movie and do audio commentary it, as we're watching it. Literally. All right. Set up the mic. Set up the microphones. I don't know if we want to do it over Skype or if we want to do it like in person to person. We would have to do it in person, I think. Set up the equipment and do it, mm-hmm. and just and just see what happens. I think I think that would first of all, first of all, I think that would be a blast hearing you we, get. Yeah, we we couldn't do it with the audio. We would have to watch it ourselves, and then um and then just record our uh, reactions to it, and then people could sync up. Like we'll say, okay, start the movie now. Exactly. That way they can watch it along with us saying it. Exactly. Because you know copyright issues, but um, yeah, it's just, just yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I would do it for the show, but I really don't like that movie. All right. <laughs> I think it would be fun to rip on it, though. And it's not necessarily the actors, or I put the blame squarely on the shoulders of Brian Singer, which yeah. is. Hard to say because I think he did a fantastic first X Men movie. Yeah. Um, but he really just there's a lot of reasons why I don't like this movie. That's all I'm gonna say. I think that for me, one of the best superhero movies that has ever been made um, is The Watchmen. Uh, you know, I've never seen it. Um, it it takes some liberties. It it, it does a, a few things different than the comic. I thought that when I read the comic, I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. I would put the comic, of, um, the original comic, uh, right up there with um, any great piece of literature. I, and I mean that. I'm not just saying that as, as a rabid fanboy. I, I really sure. mean it. Because um, the thing is, is that the characters are so rich and so three and four dimensional. Um, it's just, it's just incredible. Just see how some like the comedian and how the comedian changes over time. I think that that is just just an incredible character and not a good guy by any stretch of the imagination. I think that it takes a realistic look at what superhero, what the world would look like with superheroes in the here and now. 
I, I think it's probably, and I also think it's maybe probably one of the most realistic superhero movies ever made. But as far as like the 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 worst superhero movie ever made, um, I don't think the Green Lantern was really as bad as everybody says it was, but it was still pretty bad. I don't I I watched it not too long ago, and um, yeah, I don't think it's as bad as people say. I think I can see why people don't like it, but I think that you know I appreciate what they tried to do with like the costume and you know because it's a he's a it's, he is a wholly alien character i mean he's a human but you know all of his powers are wholly alien and you know you have to visualize that in some way he can't wear spandex and um you know that would be silly so i think that i appreciate the effort that they went to to make it um i'm not a super fan of green lantern so you know i'm sure you know someone who really loves the character would pick it apart but um i don't think it's nearly as bad as people say and um so here's so here's a question for you, and maybe this is a great way to tie all this together as mm-hmm. as we approach the hour mark. Um, fanboy writers and directors, do you think it's a good idea or not? Like, do you think well, that it depends th- on the writer and director? I mean, look at J.J. Um, Abrams. I would consider him a fanboy, and uh, you know he's probably the first fanboy. You know, somebody that grew up loving Star Wars, like. A lot of us did um, that, you know, got to take the reins. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people that dislike him. And, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet. But from the trailer that I saw, I think it looks pretty good. And I'll give it a shot. You know, I mean, nobody's perfect. And nobody can make the perfect anything in the mind of the the, uh, Uber fan. You know, nothing's going to be good enough. Exactly. but, you know, it, uh, sometimes good enough is good enough. And, you know, if they give it an honest try and are, you know, truthful to the source material and the characters, then, you know, why not? So, again, it depends on the it, it, it depends on the person. But, yeah, I think overall, given, um, you know, fans the opportunity now to take the helm of some of these movies, I think it's going to put out some interesting flicks. You know, as opposed to just some old guy behind the camera, yeah, who could still put out a good movie. But you know, I you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing this new wave of movies that are made by people growing up watching, you know, the originals. I think the movie, the Star Wars movie, that I'm really looking forward to. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. Is what is it called? Rogue One, Star Wars anthology. Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Do I have the title right? I think so. I, I'm not. I know they're either filming it now or they're just starting to film it. But um, yeah, it it should be interesting. I think the idea of doing a black um, Black Hawk Down or Band of Brothers version of Star Wars in the Star Wars universe, I that is really that to me is really exciting. Hey, um, listen, Doug, we're at the uh, we're we're almost at the hour mark, and um, we're gonna cut this short real quick. Fast and easy, and um, I, I just want to thank you for another really awesome show. Thank you for letting me vent about all these things, and uh, um, this has been really therapeutic. Um, gee, I, you know, I, I should I should feel like I should be paying you $75 for the first half hour of talking about this. It feels like really therapeutic, like a therapy session. Anyway, Doug, I'm going to let you go tonight, and we're going to do this again real soon. Thanks a lot, buddy.
The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you through the great support of all of our listeners through a couple of different ways. You can keep this podcast alive by sending donations to our PayPal account, paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. You can also use this as a way of communicating with us and letting us know what you would like your ad to sound like and the specific copy you would like us to read. You can support us via Amazon. Click any of our shop at Amazon links and then shop the way you always do. Products will come right to your door. You save a ton of cash at no extra cost to you. We'll get an affiliate bonus just for pointing you in their direction. It's a trilogy of win for everybody. You can buy your own Fedora Chronicles radio show merchandise by going to zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have dozens of products already up with more on the way. We even take special requests. If you have an idea for our product, you can always contact us via Twitter, Facebook, or on the forum. You can subscribe to the Fedora Chronicles radio show via iTunes, either by clicking our link on our webpage or by searching for us there. We're also featured on Player FM and many other podcasting listening services. The music for this podcast can be found on our index page. Just go to thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast, choose the link to the specific show's individual page, and you will find all the information about the specific show there. It's also a great way to catch up on past shows. Once again, that web page you want to look for is thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast. Finally, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, and then obviously the Electric Speakeasy Forum. Give us a shout via social media. We love hearing from you. So with that said, until next time, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chin up and your fedora on. Oh shit, you're still here. Oh my god.